Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, powered by Dimers.com. This is episode number 102, Wednesday, November 25th, 2020. And oh yeah, college basketball is back, baby! Awesome, baby! That's right, the 2020-2021 college basketball season is officially underway today with a full slate of action set for Thanksgiving weekend. And a very happy Thanksgiving to all of you listeners out there. We have a packed weekend of sports with the normal NFL and college football slates and of course with the opening weekend of the college basketball season. Those of you long-term Doggy Juice Pod listeners know that college hoops is my favorite sport to play, to watch. And to handicap, it's the sport I would take on a deserted island with me if I, if I could only take one sport there. The edges that we find on the betting boards on a daily basis in college hoops are second to none, especially on totals and especially early on in the season. And this season's going to be a lot different than any other before it, obviously, with the COVID-19 pandemic changing the entire landscape, including the NCAA tournament itself, which is set to be played at one of one single location. And... It might, it might not even be in March, so it's going to be different this year, but those who are able to adapt and adjust their sales are the ones who are going to put themselves in the best position to add to their bankroll over the next few months as we dive into this new season. So in this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod, I'm going to do a deep dive into college hoops with a little conference preview of the top leagues in the nation, and also look at some of the top mid-majors and a few sleepers to pay attention to, and of course some betting angles to keep in mind as well. Joe Rogers will make an appearance as well to share the formula that he's looking at to determine top Final Four contenders, and then after College Hoops, I will touch on this weekend's college football and NFL action to close out the pod. All right, without further ado, here's the official Doggy Juice Pod 2020-2021 College Basketball Season Preview. 357 schools, 32 conferences, quite simply, the ultimate betting sport for edges due to the sheer volume of games, let alone all the other handicapping elements that you can use to gain an edge over the marketplace, especially on totals. And I found through experience, like I said earlier, especially early on in the season. Before I begin, RIP uh, to UT Martin basketball coach Anthony Stewart, who died suddenly at age 50 last week. He was about to begin his fifth season in charge of that program. It's so unfortunate. So prayers up to his family and that entire program. The NCAA tournament is supposed to take place all at one site this season, likely Indianapolis, but nothing's been set in stone, I believe. If you're making a college basketball futures wager, that's absolutely something to consider. Uh, Abilene Christian and East Tennessee State tipped off the season officially today, Wednesday morning, and we have an enormous card on Wednesday as I record this, and of course this weekend we have a boatload of college hoops action as well. So many teams to stay on top of, so... And just so many added layers this year due to COVID-19. It's going to be an absolutely brutal season when it comes to getting amazing line value on bets only to see the game postponed or canceled entirely before it actually takes place. It's been happening with college football on a weekly basis, so it's absolutely going to happen uh, with college hoops on a daily basis. And In fact, we've already seen it happen here on day one with a large percentage of games already taken off the board and and postponed or canceled uh, entirely. Some programs like... For example, the Arizona teams were able to get in more practice time in, uh, before the season started, whereas you know teams in, in some states like Oregon and other states with more restrictive um, 
obviously movement due to COVID-19. Those those teams in those states were not afforded the same practice schedule. So aside from players and coaches dealing with COVID themselves, literally, there's other ways that the pandemic is going to impact these teams and, and the marketplace may not be taking some of these factors into account properly. Um, as handicappers, we have to adjust accordingly and really dive into some things that we aren't used to diving into this year, but that's part of the challenge. It's going to be weird with no fans in the stands, obviously. Uh, no fans really changes the handicap in terms of home court advantage, which is traditionally more pronounced in college hoops than any other sport out there. Not It's not a standard three-point home court advantage in college hoops like you're you know, traditionally used to seeing in the NFL and college football. And even in those sports, it's not really traditional three points anymore, but I'm not going to dive into that here and now. But um, but it's definitely going to matter, the lack of fans here, especially at certain places where you could see you know a five, six-point edge uh, due to certain home court advantages in college basketball. And so as a baseline to start this season, I'm going to be making home court in the 1 to 1.5 point range just due to travel and, and being in unfamiliar surroundings. But every situation is unique and different. You have to pay attention to, obviously, what's going on with, with, with specific team travel and issues along those lines, but it's going to be a lot different than we're used to, to dealing with in the past. The Ivy League is done. Apparently the players and coaches were pissed off about the way it was dealt with by the administration, but the Ivy League will not be playing this season. So we've already seen a ton of players enter the transfer portal after the news of that broke. It's pretty tough for that league um, for the next few years, too, with recruiting and stuff. So the Ivy League is not playing. Obviously, there's 32 conferences, but now with the Ivy League out, that's one less this season. We've also seen entire programs opt out of the season. I know uh, University of Maryland Eastern Shore is out for the entire season, along with Bethune-Cookman uh, in the MEAC. Alabama State in the SWAC, they canceled non-conference action, and we could see more of this moving forward. Obviously, things are so fluid right now with COVID-19, so unfortunately it sucks, just the world we live in, but uh, got to pay special attention to all this stuff. And of, of course, we've already, like I said, we've already seen games postponed and canceled. Each conference has its own protocol, so it's obviously important to always have that in mind. And as betters, we have to be patient with that this year. In fact, that's part of the handicapping process itself. It's understanding individual league rules so that you could tap more into the decision-making of the coaches in each program because that falls right down to the players as well and the way uh, it impacts, obviously, the way the game is played on the court. You know, some some leagues have rules where if you have enough guys, you know, to, to field a team or put you know, five or six guys on the court – you're good to go. So you could see a team, you know, with all centers, all forwards taking the, t- the court for, for a team this year. If other guys are out, uh, it's just it's going to look weird. We have to be prepared to adjust accordingly. Um, there's some leagues that have been very creative with the scheduling. Some of the smarter leagues obviously creating added flexibility this year. We've even seen entire teams relocating uh, entirely. In fact, the New Mexico State uh, the team is staying in Phoenix for uh, the next five weeks or so. So that's a special team to pay attention to, New Mexico State, because they're doing something like that that can really have a lot of upside in terms of team chemistry and blocking out other distractions that they would ordinarily um, have if they were back on their campus. Always pay attention to coaching changes. Coaching means more in college basketball than any other sport that we handicap. It influences a team's style of play. So you can also find opportunities in, in totals markets, especially early on in the seasons when you have a new coach or a new regime in charge. That's my starting point, looking at coaching changes in my preseason prep work every year. Um, I will significantly lower a team's priors when it comes to my modeling if a new coaching regime is beginning somewhere because uh, the predictive value is usually you know, completely diminished with, with that type of systemic change. 
in a COVID year, it's obviously it makes a lot of sense to look at teams with more experience and continuity, especially teams that have been able to practice together and prepare more over the last few weeks. In terms of futures odds, obviously you want to shop around for the best price, but Gonzaga and Villanova are sitting at the top of futures boards heading into the new season, each at around 7-1 or 8-1 to odds to cut down the nets. But there's clearly a ton of parity this season with a lot of teams sitting right behind those two teams in the 10-1 to to 20-1 to range to win the NCAA tournament, including Baylor, Iowa, Virginia, Kentucky, Illinois, Duke, Kansas, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Florida State, and a lot of very good teams, but but very few elite great teams entering this season. So tons of Final Four contenders out there, but Gonzaga is number one on my power ratings entering the season. They look to be one of the most or the most complete team out there, and obviously they're headed by you know experienced elite head coach Mark Few. Preseason odds to win the Wooden Award. Luca Garza of my Iowa Hawkeyes is the favorite on the board at four to one odds on DraftKings, followed by another Big Ten stud, Ayo Desumnu at five to one odds. Jared Butler from Baylor's at six to one, and then we have Corey Kispert from Gonzaga, Marcus Garrett from Kansas, and Remy Martin from Arizona State at ten to one odds to win the Wooden Award, followed by Cade Cunningham of Oklahoma State at fifteen to one, Joel Ayai. Of Gonzaga and Marcus Zagorowski of Creighton at 20 to 1 odds, and then Kay Clark of Virginia, Kofi Coburn of Illinois, and Colin Gillespie of Villanova. Those are those guys are at 30 to 1 to win the Wooden Award. All right, without further ado, now it's time to take a deeper dive into all of the top conferences, starting with the Power Five. So I'm a proud alumni of the University of Iowa, and I love my Hawkeyes, but we're a football school. Until this year, we're a basketball school this year, with the Hawks favored to win the Big Ten at a lot of different sports books and by a lot of national pundits. But I'm also from Illinois, and my fiance went to school at the University of Illinois, and they're kind of my secondary team, you could say, in the Big Ten. And the Fighting Illini are number two on a lot of Big Ten conference futures boards. And I told my fiance that this may very well be the only year in our lives where our two schools are numbers one and two in the Big Ten for college hoops. And of course, we can't go watch our two teams play one another this season. It sucks. But my Hawkeyes are, simply put, an offensive juggernaut. Luca Garza, plus a bunch of shooters around him, namely uh, Joel Weiskamp, uh, obviously C.J. Frederick, and also the return of uh, Jordan Bohannon, who decided to redshirt last season due to a bad back after playing the first few games. That turned out to be a pretty smart move, obviously. But the number five Hawkeyes are filled with shooters, and they're deep, too. They're, without a doubt, going to be one of the most exciting offenses in the nation but it's the Iowa defense that you know a lot of people are down on, especially you know, after last year finishing 97th on Ken Palm's defensive efficiency. But are they going to be improved on defense this year? I think that that could be the case where they're actually underrated. And the defense is never going to be their strong suit, but this team's really tight-knit. They've been together for a while. They're very close to one another. Actually, I was out at a bar with some of uh, my friends last year at a bachelor party in Iowa City, and a lot of the Iowa basketball players showed up to, to the airliner late at night. It was really late. And uh, we got to see how tight-knit, and, and uh, they looked even organized when they partied once uh, together with one another. So it's, uh, it's a tight-knit team. You could tell that they all really like being around each other. So while the defense will never be their calling card, I think that the Hawkeye defense is a bit underrated to start the season because of that close-knit uh, type of vibe that they have, which 
should help them outperform market expectations at defense through better communication to make up for their physical limitations on the defensive end. But the offense is dynamite, and the offense alone is going to make my Hawks an exciting watch this season. I can't wait for that. Number eight, Illinois. They haven't made the big dance since 2013, and it was going to change last year. Obviously, couldn't because of COVID-19 shutting down March Madness, but it's going to change this year. And we've been all over the Fighting Illini early on here on the Doggy Juice Pod before last season. Um, I wrote a pretty lengthy article for Bet Chicago and Bet Indiana News demonstrating why Illinois was poised to take a major leap under head coach Underwood, and the Fighting Illini did not disappoint last year. Um, obviously, Io DeSomnu and Kofi Coburn are absolute studs, both NBA players, and you could make the argument, and I know the guys over at the three-man weave couch basketball podcast, Chicago guys, they made the point that the Fighting Illini has perhaps the highest ceiling in the Big Ten this year, and I do not disagree with that. They shot poorly in conference play last year, 29%. So if Io and Trent Frazier improved their shooting this year, which you would expect from a team that shot that poorly last year, this team can absolutely compete for a Final Four berth. Underwood had them switch to the pack line defensively last year with Coburn. Obviously, that was very effective, and it took some getting used to, but it was very effective for them last year. And now if they can make the take the next step and make the leap on offense, then the Illini can be right up there and compete with anyone in the country. Obviously, they have some other uh, players who can shoot the three pretty well, Hutcherson, Miller, and Grandinson. These guys can all hit the three. So if this team shoots and improves its shooting, watch out for the Illini. Number seven, Wisconsin. They're also a top contender in the Big Ten this year. Not many weaknesses from this bunch. And, of course, they run that patented Badger offense. They're very balanced. Lots of seniors on that team. They finished last year very strong as well. And by all indications, they should pick up right where they left off. Micah Potter is a stud for this team. Number 13, Michigan State. It's also going to be a contender in the Big Ten as usual. They lost Cassius Winston and, and Tillman, so it's going to be tough sledding for them early on, especially probably, but you can never count out Tom Izzo and the talent that he's able to replace for that program on a year-over-year basis. They're used to being at the top of the pack, and they will be again this year. Similar to Michigan State, uh, Michigan, the Wolverines, also lost two top players um, from last year in, in Xavier Simpson, the point guard, and John Teske down low. But Franz Wagner... He's the guy to watch for the Wolverines this season. He improved a lot last year as the season went on, especially down the stretch. And by all accounts, he improved a lot over the offseason as well. Isaiah Livers, he's all, he also should take another step up this season. The offense should have, you know, it could have some issues, obviously, early on trying to replace Simpson. And um, I know, you know structurally, the three-man weave guys who I just mentioned, they they were pointing out that the team went with so much pick and roll last year, but don't expect that to work as well this much or as well this year with uh, without Simpson. But they do have lots of length on defense and on offense as well. I mean Wagner, he's going to be playing the two guard, and he's six foot nine, so it's going to be a long team, which should pose some problems for teams defensively. Um, there's a large pack of teams right there in the Big Ten, and and absolute candidates to make the big dance this year that whole middle pack of Big Ten teams, Indiana, Ohio State, Purdue, Rutgers with Ron Harper Jr., uh, Minnesota. And Indiana features Trace Jackson Davis, who can be a candidate to be a, a first-team All-American this year, especially if he improves his shooting this season, which may well be the case as his perimeter shooting. Uh, Ohio State's going to be a factor in the conference as well. Matt Painter and Purdue will be tough for they're going to be tough out for anyone in this conference, but the Boilermakers do have some injuries early on that could see them slow out of the gate. Rutgers, who I just mentioned, they are a very big athletic team. Uh, obviously, their issues are, are offensive ones, 
but these guys are built like like, like football players. A lot, of, a lot of these guys on that squad, they were notably six and zero against the spread last year against ranked opponents, and they won a lot of those games outright. So I'm excited to see how this team is with Ron Harper Jr. out there this year. And speaking of former sons or former player sons, Jamal Mashburn Jr. is on Minnesota, and that's a team that features a bunch of transfers, so it could be tough. A tough assimilation process for them early on, but don't sleep on the Gophers this year because they are candidate to make the big dance and be a tough out when they do. Maryland and Penn State are relatively down this year on the pecking order, and then you have a pretty decent drop down to Northwestern and then Nebraska as well at the bottom of the conference. Usually the best conference, but not the past couple of years. I think you could slot the ACC in at number three this year in terms of preseason conference power ranking. Uh, behind the Big Ten and and Big 12, but Duke and Virginia, they're at the top. Duke still hasn't won the regular season conference title or even tied for one since 2010, so over 10 years. But the Dukies have obviously won a a few conference tourneys during that time, and they're obviously one of the factors in the ACC every single year. Virginia, they're the top dog uh, in the preseason futures, followed by Duke, Florida State, and North Carolina. All four of those are at single-digit odds to win the conference. Boston College and Wake Forest bring up the rear in the conference, but you have a nice middle pack of teams that really are interchangeable. There's tons of teams that that are really close to one another on my power rating, so lots of close, tight spreads in this conference this year. But Virginia and Tony Bennett, they've been so consistent year in and year out. Last year they had um, the least efficient offense, though, of all the Power 5 teams at least, uh, but the defense remained elite. Virginia totals last year, if you remember, they were comically low. Remember that one total against Purdue that was actually lined under 100 points? That was absolutely wild. I think it's reasonable to expect some regression on the defensive end, but the system's still there, obviously, with Tony Bennett, and I think we should be seeing some regression the other way on the offensive end this season, especially with one of the Hauser brothers now on the squad to open up the floor and knock down the three. Duke is somehow flying under the radar, though, this preseason. This could be the year where we see the Duke team, as opposed to a couple of top-level first-round draft picks stealing the show. There's a lot more versatility on that team this year than they're going to have an elite offense once again, especially with Jalen Johnson, the stud. Um, And he's been under the radar as well because he had some like issues switching schools or something like that. So I feel like he's been under the radar and he's he's gonna have a nice coming out party this year, Jalen Johnson with Duke. And apparently Matt Hurt has put on about thirty pounds of muscle this offseason, or at least since last season. So you can safely peg Duke in as one of the top teams in a relatively down ACC yet again. And dare I say it, the Blue Devils are flying a bit under the radar this year. Florida State is in line to see some regression as well, especially um, in shooting. Last year they shot the ball very well for a team that's built on on big athletes um, like Leonard Leonard Hamilton prefers. So I don't think it's realistic for them to shoot with the same efficiency that they did last year, but this team's still going to be right up there at the top of the conference. And Miami, they might be the dark horse in the ACC, especially early on this season. Jim Laranega, he's a strong coach, and this was a freshman-laden team last year, and they're a total candidate to feature a big improvement from a lot of players entering their sophomore campaigns. They have two returning point guards. It's the healthiest this team's been the past two or three years. They have better depth this year, so I think they're a candidate to cash some tickets in the betting markets early on in the season especially. The Big 12 very strong conference. A legitimate argument can be made that it's stronger than the Big Ten this year with the ACC. Pretty clear number three on the pecking order. Number two, Baylor is the class of the conference heading into the new season. The Bears cashed tickets on the regular last year. They were poised, uh, they were poised to make a deep run in the big dance before obviously COVID-19 ruined March Madness. 
But there's tons of top-level teams in the Big 12, namely Kansas, Texas, Texas Tech, West Virginia. All of those are going to be factors on a national level as well. When it comes to top coaches in the nation, Chris Beard at Texas Tech is right at the top of the list for me. In fact, I think he is the number one coach in the country. If I had to pick one coach to, to just field to if I had to field a team or, or put a team on the court and have one college coach coaching, it would be Chris Beard. Um, right now, now that uh, John Beeline is no longer coaching on the college ranks, I think you got to slot Beard in at number one, in my opinion. But you can absolutely count on Tech to be a contender in this conference and a factor come March as well. The best player in the league, though, is likely going to be on Oklahoma State, though. Cade Cunningham. He's an absolute stud and someone to pay attention to early on in the season. The sad thing, though, is he might not even play uh, in the big dance and might not even have a chance to dance in March because Oklahoma State is banned from the NCAA tournament, but they did petition that ruling, so we have to wait and see what happens with that process. Uh, West Virginia and Texas, those are the two teams that, that I think are best equipped to outperform market expectations early on this year. I've long been a fan of Bob Huggins and the Mountaineers especially, and I really think this could be the season where they finally crack the code and make the Final Four. They have the talent at every single position and the depth to boot. And per the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook, 10 Mountaineers averaged 13 or more points per game last season, and eight of those 10 are returning this year. So there's plenty of versatility with their guards, especially who can shoot the ball, get to the hoop, open up lanes for others. And you can count on that system and the coaching to be there on a nightly basis. So give me West Virginia as as the value team of the Big 12 this season. The Pac-12, the West Coast, the three-headed monster in this league uh, this year is number 18, Arizona State, number 20, Oregon, and number 22, UCLA, as the clear conference favorites. In the next tier, you got Stanford, Arizona, and USC. Colorado is also right there on that tier. Um, but then moving down to my power ratings, I have Utah, Washington, and Oregon State before a decent drop-down until you get to Cal, and then even lower when you get to the bottom of the barrel in the Pac-12 with Washington State. Arizona State's Remy Martin, no, not the cognac, but the player. He's one of the standout uh, studs in this league this year. He's going to be the engine that that's uh, going to move the Sun Devils team this year. So he's a guy to pay attention to. And remember what I said at the beginning of the pod on practice time. Uh, a team like Arizona State with Remy Martin, they benefit with more practice time preseason, whereas a team like Oregon doesn't. And Oregon typically peaks later on in the season anyway. Um, so that's something to keep in your back pocket. If the Ducks start the season slow, you might be able to get some value on them later on in the year um, when I expect them to uh, to outperform market expectations as they usually do at that point in the season. But for me, it's UCLA. That's the team that I have my eye on in the Pac-12 this year. Mick Cronin's squad, they started last year slow, but it was his first season at the helm, so that should have been expected early on. The team had to get used to his style, his specific style of play, especially on defense and how that affects the offense as well. But the Bruins finished the season very strong, and now they have the squad to contend. They have the size. They have the good perimeter shooting. They have a very good point guard, lots of depth on this team. So I think that UCLA is your value team in the Pac-12 this year. Um, that value's been sucked away quite a bit in, in the futures markets, but I do see some 40-to-1s out there to win the NCAA tournament in the marketplace as I record this. And then the SEC, it's clearly Kentucky and Tennessee is the top tier in the SEC. Kentucky typically starts pretty slow because usually it's Calipari reloading with stud uh, five-star freshmen. takes a little bit of time for them to get used to each other, but they play their best ball typically later on in the season after those blue-chip guys have more time to assimilate to one another and develop more chemistry. 
But uh, I would expect more of that this year. But obviously they're going to be a top team throughout the year in, in the SEC. Uh, Tennessee, also a strong team. More on them in a bit. Florida, I think, is the dark horse in the conference, though. I was high on them at the start of last year, but that offense was just brutal throughout the season. But I know their coach said he wants to increase the tempo this season. That's something to pay attention to. A lot of coaches talk like that, but I actually believe it with this team because they want to mix up their offense after after struggling last year offensively. So Florida could be your value dark horse in the SEC. And before I move on to the Big East, on Tuesday night I sat down with my co-worker and college basketball betting expert Joe Rogers to hear how he's determining Final Four contenders entering the new season, and he has some thoughts on futures betting value involving one of the aforementioned SEC teams as well. Here it is. All right, he's one of the sharpest guys out there, especially when it comes to college basketball, and he's also a frequent guest here on the Doggy Juice Podcast. Joe Rogers joins us. How's it going, Joe? Love this time of year. This is like uh, Christmas morning for us college hoops guys. It really is, especially after everything we've dealt with and, and March Madness being taken away uh, like a Christmas gift under the Christmas tree. That was really tough not having a, a big dance this March. So I feel like we're just like craving the action. And obviously it would start a couple weeks later than the previous years, but yeah, it's good to have it back, man. Uh, so I know you've got your final four value plays for us, but uh, you also have an interesting angle here in terms of the, I guess the formula that you're looking for at uh, for legitimate final four contenders here as the season starts on Wednesday and for full transparency, we're recording this on Tuesday evening. So uh, things can change obviously on a dime, but, uh, but yeah, what, what do you got for us, Joe? Yeah. So when I'm looking at teams that contend in March, I'm looking at three things, roster construction, the advanced stats, of course, and then coaching, you're probably thinking to yourself, uh, no crap, <laughs> but I'll just <laughs> run it through real quick. So like roster construction, there's a famous saying that the front court wins games, but back horse win championships. So I'm looking for like experienced guards on teams with younger five-star talent um, that has the chance to evolve throughout the year. And then second of those stats, like this is huge, like Ken Palm data. He's had it since uh, 2002, I believe. So 17 of the 18 national champions have featured a top 20 offense. And then on defense, all 17 have ranked in the top 20 on defense. Um, it's also worth pointing out that 14 of the past 18 champions in the Ken Palm era had a tempo ranked uh, 206th. So that usually averages out to like 67, 68 possessions per 40 minutes. Um, Virginia and Villanova, obviously the outliers there. So um, that's important to, to keep in mind as well. Then obviously coaching. So coaches that have historically done more with less in their careers. So like, I like Chris Beard a lot, Nate Oates Mm -hmm. now at, and out of Alabama, he's getting, I've heard Alabama mentioned a lot um, in that sense. And then look, so looking at those attributes again, these, these stats will change throughout the season. It always does. Um, But there's several teams that stand out to me um, through the, even, even though the top 10 teams at Kempom and Bart Torvik's sites look like they're projected to play at a slower pace but i really like tennessee they're eight to one to make the final four points bet uh plus 650 a lot of places uh, elsewhere so that's a good number i think and i think they'll play at a faster tempo than what we saw in 2019 they have experience in two guys ponds he was sec defensive player of the year fulkerson's uh bigger bodied senior they have two five-star freshmen 
and Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer to load the backcourt. I mean, those guys are like the, those guys are probably one and dones. They're going to be a fun team to watch. Unfortunately, right now they're paused with COVID, so maybe we'll see those odds lengthen a little bit. But once they get back up and running, uh, it's probably my favorite play at eight to one. And then other parameters that fit into those, Gonzaga is a clear number one for my ratings, and I think I don't know where they are in yours, but I think a lot yeah, of people have them. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people one. have them number one, so you're not going to get a ton of value out of that. Uh, West Virginia is five to one at bed MGM. I kind of like that. Obviously tough conference. They're going to have, uh, obviously Huggins been there, done that. And then the long shot I'll go with is another coach has been there, done that when he was with the mid major is Larinaga at Miami hurricanes, Ooh. 25 to one. So injuries have hurt this team last season, but they have plenty of, of talent. I think six top 100 recruits, and then defensive rebounding needs to improve, but they, they, they legit have, I think they're 12th um, in top 10 or 12th in Torvik's offensive projections. So they got sneaky top 10 offensive upside, which is enough for me at 25 to one. So those are my four plays. Um, obviously Gonzaga is the most confident, but the best value I think um, for talent wise, I like the best is Tennessee and then Miami is the long shot. And then West Virginia would kind of be the second tier of value that I like. Nice, man. I like being aligned with you on some of the stuff that the Miami team talk about like freshman to sophomore jumps, like a team with you know tons of candidates for a big jump from freshman to sophomore. I think that's, that's a great angle there with them improving. And um, yeah, I agree to West Virginia as well. West Virginia and Bob Huggins seems like, if, if there's ever a year where maybe they can make that deep run, this could be it. So it's good stuff, man. Uh, really looking forward to the weekend. Are, are you going to enjoy your Thanksgiving? Are you going to just park on the couch? Are you heading yep. back home uh, to family or what are you going to do? Nope, we'll stay, we'll stay in Chicago and it'll just be my wife and I. So I'll be on the couch. Uh, got a five day, five day weekend here, I oh, guess. Man. So yep. sports around the clock, man. We got college football, NFL, of course, the start of our favorite sport. I know I'm speaking for you as well. College basketball's numero uno uh, yep. when it comes to handicapping. So good stuff, dude. Really appreciate it. I'm sure we will yep. be uh, touching base with you throughout the season and get more insight from you. But good luck uh, with your with your weekend action. Too. Take care. All right. Thank you, Joe. All of you can follow him on Twitter at RogersBC. That's Rogers with a D and BC as in Bet Chicago. Let's continue our conference analysis with a look at the Big East. Number three, Villanova, is back to being the class of the conference, and they're actually the shortest shot on the board at some books to cut down the nets come early April or whenever the big dance uh, concludes. But Villanova has plenty of experience at its backcourt with Colin Gillespie, the senior point guard, leading the way. In fact, this team might well be the nation's best backcourt, and we know how important backcourts are in college basketball. They have elite, an elite coach on top of it, obviously, and Jay Wright. And they also have a strong front court and plenty of depth, too. I know sophomore uh, Justin Moore is a rising star. Brian Antoine's a stud as well. So look for this team to make plenty of noise all season long. Number 11, Crichton, is next on the pecking order in the Big East, led by Marcus Zagorowski, who can absolutely shoot the lights out of the ball. This should be a fringe top 10 team throughout the season. Don't sleep on the Blue Jays. They have all the tools to make a deep tournament run as well. 
UConn also looks to be greatly improved this year, and Providence will be a factor in this conference as well. Marquette is going to look a lot different this season with no Marcus Howard taking 45 shots per game anymore. And then Xavier and Butler should take a step back this year as well on the pecking order in the Big East. St. John's and DePaul have their strengths, but they bring up the rear before the caboose of the conference, Georgetown, who you can find at 100-1 to odds on FanDuel to win the conference regular season, which I would not bet. The American Athletic Conference, the AAC. This is one of my favorite conferences to handicap each year. I think the AAC is usually, it's not, it doesn't get the love that it deserves. Greg Marshall, uh, speaking of not being loved, <laughs> maybe he doesn't deserve it either. He's out as the Wichita State coach, allegedly punching a player. That was a pretty messy situation. So Wichita State, um, in, a, in a transition period right now. Number 17, Houston, is the power rated the highest in this conference on my numbers entering the season, but Memphis is the team to watch as well, I think, uh, especially early on. SMU also seems to be a team that's often underrated by the betting market, so they're another team to keep your eye on this year. Cincinnati and Tulsa are also strong squads in the AAC as well. (laughs) Moving on to mid-majors, the Atlantic 10, St. Louis and Richmond are both bringing back most of their starters, although I know Richmond lost a top player due to a, a torn ACL before the start of the season, but St. Louis, they're sitting number 45 on Kempom. They should be a tournament team come March, I think. And there's tons of other conferences with really strong teams. I'm just going to quickly move through a few notes here. Um, here in the Midwest, the MAC Buffalo leads the conference, but it's pretty tight with a bunch of teams that are right there. So it should be a very competitive conference, namely Toledo, Ball State, Ohio, and Akron. Those should all be in the mix there in the MAC. And then uh, Missouri Valley, Missouri Valley Conference, Loyola Chicago is still one of the highest-rated mid-majors out there, ranking number 47 on Ken Palm's preseason rankings. The Southern Illinois Salukis, that's a team that you should really pay attention to. I'm not expecting them to compete for a conference title, but they could be a dark horse in the conference. And uh, Before last season, I touched on this, but I used to play AAU ball with Brian Mullins, who's the head coach of Southern Illinois right now, and he's a former player there, but I used to play AAU ball with him back in fourth grade. And, and by play, I mean he was the point guard while I warmed the bench. But um, he played um, high school ball locally, grew up locally in, in uh, Downers Grove, uh, Chicago suburb, which is nearby where I grew up. Actually, I was born in Downers Grove. Uh, but saw him play high school ball as well. And, and he, I, I pointed out in the pod last year at the start of the year because he was taking over the Saluki program. He used to be an assistant with Loyola Chicago when they made the, the Final Four run. But um, I made the point that he brings that defensive style, and really I think he, he cemented that defensive style of play with Loyola Chicago and, and a slow pace too. And I thought that they were a good uh, look on betting unders last year, the Salukis. And of course, they they did. They, they slowed down that the tempo of that offense to a slow slog. They were one of the slowest teams in the country. The defense was strong. The Salukis did outperform preseason market expectations last year, and I expect them to do it again this year. So keep the Salukis on your radar, especially with that defense uh, it's going to be a slower-paced team as well. A lot of slow-paced teams in the Missouri Valley, uh, now that you really mentioned it. The Colonial uh, Athletic Association, I just thought this was interesting, that Hofstra and Iona, they're playing a three-year series in the Colonial League, a home-and-home, and, home, and the third location is going to be decided by a rock-paper-scissors between the two teams' mascot. We need more of this type of stuff, I think, but I think they're going to do that rock-paper-scissors matchup uh, when those te- two teams play in December. Moving down to the Summit League, uh, South Dakota State, they're in line to be one of the nation's top mid-majors once again as well this year. The Jackrabbits, are, they're not only a talented bunch, but they bring back plenty of experience and depth this year. Pay special attention to six-foot-four sophomore Noah Friedel, 
who could be making a big second year leap, I think, after impressing in his in his freshman year last year. He leads a very strong backcourt. This team should have its way with the Summit League, uh, with their Summit League foes this season. And then, of course, um, I would I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on Gonzaga and the West Coast Conference. Obviously, they're going to run train through that conference yet again this year. I do have Gonzaga as my number one team on my power ratings entering this season. They're the most complete team in the nation, filled with depth and talent at all positions. And, of course, a coach in Mark Few who knows how to get the best out of his players. Drew Timmy. He's going to be an absolute stud, so be sure to keep him on your radar. You're going to hear that name a lot, Drew Timmy, this year for the Zags. So closing out really quickly, um, the college hoops section here, the season preview with the official Doggy Juice Pod Final Four predictions this season. Let's call it Gonzaga, Baylor, West Virginia, and I'm only going to say it because I could say it without being laughed at this year, my Iowa Hawkeyes, and I think it's going to be Gonzaga that's the last team standing and the one cutting down the nets when it's all said and done. Hopefully we get March Madness in March, but to be honest, I'll take it in May if we need to. And for more college basketball information, check out the college basketball season preview article I wrote over at dimers.com this week. And also be sure to bookmark Dimers for future college basketball coverage that I'll be posting up on there throughout the season. And also check out the House Edge podcast over at dimers.com. They're another excellent source to add to your weekly rotation uh, when it comes to getting information and finding college hoops betting value. All right, let's quickly touch on some weekend college football action. I can feel it all the way down in my plums, getting all swollen. The first committee college football playoff rankings were released on Tuesday night. Alabama, no surprise, was number one. Notre Dame was number two, followed by Ohio State at number three and Clemson at number four. Texas A&M was number five, Florida number six, Cincinnati number seven, and Northwestern at number eight. Those ratings... Compared to my power ratings, though, it's Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson, and then a pretty decent drop down to Notre Dame and Florida, um, the second tier there. Then, of course, number seven, Northwestern, would be a double-digit underdog to, or sorry, number eight, Northwestern, would be a double-digit underdog to number nine, Georgia, on a neutral by my numbers. So rankings, schmankings. COVID continues to impact the college football landscape. A team like Wisconsin and the Big Ten has especially been impacted by it early on. We have a fun slate of Thanksgiving weekend games on our plate. This pod is already going pretty long, so I'm not going to dive into the slate as much as I would like to and as much as I normally do, but I do have a few plays for you guys, starting with Iowa State's. Shop around. I'm seeing Pick'em right now, and you're not getting totally the best of it because they were. you could have got plus one, plus two early in the week, but Iowa State on the road at Texas for a smaller position. This line, like I said, uh, was plus one, plus two earlier in the week, and it was plus ten and a half before the season even started. Longtime Doggy Juice Pod listeners know that I'm usually bullish on Coach Matt Campbell, uh, quarterback Brock Purdy, and the Cyclones over the past couple of years relative to the marketplace, especially when they're getting points. And, you know, they're a team that's strong on both sides of the ball, and this is a matchup that I think um, they can they can win against Texas. It's not as good as the plus one that you could have had earlier in the week, but my numbers make this one. Iowa State minus 2.3 to be exact, so s- still solid betting value on the road team here, but I also like the under in this game at 56 or better. There's still some 57s out there as I record this, so be sure to shop around for the best price. Oklahoma State laying 11 points at home against Texas Tech. The Red Raiders are 0-4 against the spread in their last four road games, and I expect that trend to continue in Stillwater. 
on Saturday. I'm expecting the Oklahoma State defense to right the ship after last week's uh, loss, pretty tough loss against Oklahoma, who I honestly think is, is still underrated since their bye week, the Sooners. They've been completely outperforming, outperforming market expectations. But the Cowboys are a good bet here in a game that I have lined at 15, just about. So according to my numbers, there's a better chance that they not only win this one, obviously, but win this one, or more likely than not, that they win this one by two touchdowns or more. And then a quick little pack, uh, two-pack of college football unders that I'm on this week, so be sure to shop around for the best available price. But Indiana, Maryland, under 63, and NC State, Syracuse, under 52. All right, now it's time to move on to the pro ranks and dive into some NFL. After Monday Night Football, the Rams are now 32-0 under coach Sean McVay when leading at the half. That's pretty crazy, something to, to monitor. We have three Thanksgiving games, of course, this week. Uh, the favorites have traditionally done very well on Thanksgiving Day, and also quarterbacks that have more experience typically fare better on Thanksgiving as well, as opposed to the less experienced quarterbacks. And this makes a lot of sense, obviously, the uniqueness of playing on Thanksgiving Day on short rest and all the distractions that come along with it. Before we dive into the official Doggy Juice Pod Week 12 plays, the resident Doggy Juice Pod degenerate, the Danimal, is here to check in with you all and let you know who he's on this weekend. Yo, what is up, everybody? It's your boy, the Danimal, back home on the East Coast, feeling fresh, feeling spry, feeling smart. I got one play and one play only. It's the G-Men minus whatever, five, six. It doesn't matter. G-Men are hot. Bengals are not. They're depressed. They're sad. Shout out Joe Burrow. Speedy recovery. I don't know how they play this game. Giants win by double digits. Lastly, a couple college basketball futures. Check out a couple teams Big odds, but, you know, you got to do it in college basketball. St. Louis, sleeper team of the year. Huge odds. Throw some money on them to win it all. Another one, West Virginia, around 30-1. to 1. Throw some money on Bobby Huggins as well. That's about it from the Danimal. Everybody have a great Thanksgiving. Eat up, rest up, and win every bet you make. Take care, everybody. All right, thank you very much to the Danimal. I'm with you, buddy, on that Bobby Huggins value. Time to close out this week's episode with the official Doggy Juice Pod Week 12 NFL Plays. The Lions plus three against the Texans on Thanksgiving morning. Kenny Galladay looks like he may play in this one, and DeAndre Swift is looking like he's He's probably going to be giving it a go as well. I have this game lined it closer to a pick so I will gladly scoop up the three points with the home team here and also sprinkle some money line on the Lions as well. Uh, like I said at the top, home teams and also experienced quarterbacks tend to perform better on Thanksgiving Day. And yes, Matthew Stafford has a thumb issue, and yes, the Lions put up a goose egg last weekend against the Panthers, but that's why we're getting line value here in this one against the Texans. I like the Thanksgiving Day experience that Stafford and this team brings against a Texans team that is not used to playing on short rest on Thanksgiving morning, so give me the Lions plus three. Also on Thanksgiving Day, but this one is a total, Washington football team and the Cowboys under 46. Somehow both of these teams know that they're still competing for the NFC East title and a playoff berth this year. The Dallas defense 
I think is a bit underrated right now. They're healthy off their bye week last week and coming off that big effort against the Vikings and winning. They're going to bring momentum into this game, a little extra pep in their step, in their steps, uh, so to speak. And of course, we know how talented that Washington defense is already, particularly the pass defense with Chase Young. I wouldn't be surprised if both these teams play this game a little bit more tight, knowing the stakes, actually being comically being in the playoff hunt right now in the NFC East. So you could have had 48 or 47 on the opener early in the week if you shopped around, but I agree with the move down to 46 here and wouldn't be surprised if this total dipped below 45 by kickoff. So lock in that under 46 now while it's still out there. The Browns show for me at minus six and a half or better, but of course pay attention to the status of Gardner Minshew, quarterback for the Jaguars. Uh, This one becomes an even stronger play if he ends up not going, of course, but I have this line power rated at Browns eight, even if Minshew doesn't play. So value on the Browns on this one, not crazy value, but I think it's something worth uh, adding to your portfolio this week. The Browns laying anything under a touchdown to the Jaguars. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers at plus three and a half at home against the Chiefs would really like plus four to, to make a, a full position here, but I make the Chiefs uh, I make the game Chiefs minus one and a half here, so still getting nice value going north um, and up and through a field goal, getting points with Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay team that's still number two in overall DVOA at Football Outsiders, number two in defensive DVOA. Yes, the Chiefs are number one in offensive DVOA, but the Bucks are stingy in opponent yards per play. They should bring some added energy into this one, you'd think, um, even on short rest after losing to the Rams on Monday Night Football. It is notable that the Bucks haven't had their bye week yet, which, and especially, you know, it's not going to be good for them on short rest in this game against the Chiefs offense, but I think that's why we're getting some of the line value in this one. I think the market's overrating that factor, so it's why I don't, I'm not totally crazy about this game. Not doing a full position, more like three quarters or you know, 80% of a, of a unit position, but um, but I still think that this is a, a worthy play at plus three and a half and, and go a strong, a strong full position if this line does tick up to plus four. Just a half unit play here, but the Falcons catching a field goal at home against the Raiders. Numbers-wise, this one's um, I make this one close. I make it 1.8 of my stuff, but the intangible screen Falcons here. The Raiders are coming off a big effort against the Chiefs. Have to travel back to the East Coast on short rest for this one. And for reference, this look-ahead line last week in this game was a pick before the Falcons lost to the Saints and the Raiders played the Chiefs tough on Sunday night. So add the Falcons, catching plus three to your Sunday portfolio for a smaller position. Another half-unit play on the Titans, catching plus three and a half against the Colts. This one was at four earlier in the week, or I got down for most of my position, but I agree with the line move on the dog here. These two teams played just a couple of weeks ago in a game where the Titans ended up, uh, well, I guess that line flipped and the Colts became a slight favorite uh, when the game uh, kicked off, but it was a tight game. The, the scoreboard didn't reflect how close the game actually was. So for me, this line, just a little bit of line value here, but we're getting it with the Titans. Stronger position at plus four, of course, but uh, plus three or plus three and a half or better on the Titans. And then closing up with look at teasers, of course, teasing through the key numbers of three and seven on a two-team six-point NFL teaser when laying juice of minus 120 or less, the classic Stanford one model. That's the only way to do teasers. Just remember, when you're doing teasers, you're buying points. So if you're not doing that, not teasing through the three and the seven in the NFL, you are you just don't have an edge. Mathematically, you're better off just betting the game on the point spread. Um, but we won yet again last week with our official Doggy Juice Pod teaser of the week with the Texans and the Packers in week 11, moving our record on 
that this season to seven and two overall after passing two of the week so far. So seven and two on the official Doggy Juice Pod teasers of the week. Unfortunately, the t- week twelve board this week there are not the plethora of teaser options that fit our model of teasing through three and seven that we've seen over the past few weeks, and that's fine. It happens. We just have to pick our spots. As I record this, the Dolphins and the Rams are laying seven on the board, but that doesn't get us to you know the classic advantage teaser model of teasing through the seven and the three. So if you're looking to bet those teams, just bet them on the point spread. And I'll find value on those teams either way. So it, it doesn't matter for me. Those obviously don't fit the model. A uh, team that does fit the model is the Patriots. You can tease them up from plus two and a half to plus eight and a half at home against Arizona, but I will not be including them in that one. Um, and the other one is that I do like is the Packers from minus eight and a half down to minus two and a half at home against the Bears. I love the Packers as a teaser leg this week, but unfortunately, uh, like I said, I don't like that Pats one. It's a game I expect to be higher scoring as well. I actually find some value on the over 49 and a half in that one. Uh, I would really like to see 49 or 48 to, to get involved for something serious, but nothing wrong with putting a half unit down in the over 49 and a half in that one. But if you have a way of opening up the Packers down to minus two and a half on one leg of an open teaser, then I recommend you do so this week. But unfortunately, I don't have enough confidence to pair them with any other team on a teaser leg this week. So it's going to be a pass on the official Doggy Juice Pod teaser of the week for week 12. We didn't get to seven and two this year so far by forcing anything. So we'll just have to pick our spots. And uh, for this week, open up the Packers down to minus two and a half as an open teaser leg. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. As always, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice. And if you haven't entered it yet, be sure to sign up for the Dimers NFL Sweet Six Thanksgiving competition before the games kick off on Thursday morning. And on a weekly basis, the Dimers Sweet Six uh, Sunday slash Monday competition, it's free to play, so completely risk-free. It takes you 30 seconds to sign up and make your picks. You just have to answer six questions. If you answer six out of six correctly, then you can win $1,000. Who doesn't want an extra dime to spend at the sports book, especially with sports around the clock now, college hoops, college football, and the NFL? It's a no-brainer. Just go to freetoplay.dimers.com and sign up. Answer those six questions correctly. Take home that $1,000. I would love for one of my listeners to take home that $1,000. And if you're listening to this before or even on Thanksgiving Day, but honestly, this especially works on the day after Thanksgiving or even the weekend after, a major plus EV move with your Thanksgiving leftovers. Thanksgiving egg rolls. I discovered this a few years ago, and now I'm hooked. My whole family's hooked on them, and I have a, a large Italian family that's very particular when it comes to what we eat. But we love these Thanksgiving egg rolls. All you got to do is buy some wonton papers. You can find those, you know, at any grocery store. And you just have wonton papers. You put a little water around the the edges, and then you fill it a little bit of mashed potatoes, and a little piece of turkey on top of that, a little piece of stuffing on top of that, and then some cranberry. And then you wrap it up, fry it in sesame oil, one minute per side. It's a total game changer. Thank me later after you do it. Don't knock it till you try it. It's, it's going to change your Thanksgiving leftovers, I promise you. So happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Really am thankful for all of my listeners and how far the Doggy Juice Pod has come the past two-plus years. I will be back next week. Good luck with your bets this weekend. Talk to you all soon. Doggy Juice out. Doggy Juice Pod.